uh, we meet together like this. And uh, although later on in the preparation of things for today, Sylvia let me know what she was going to do, what she was going to do for her talk. I didn't know anything about the hymns or, or anything like that. I, we, we've been really working quite independently. But some of the things we've already talked about, um, the, the, the sentence in or the verse in Proverbs that friends love us at all times, Peter's confession uh, of Jesus as a Messiah, the hymn where we sang, where there is darkness, only light. All these things are leading into the passage that we are going to look at this morning together. And it's such a delight to see the spirit at work uh, like this, leading us into uh, his word. So let us start first with prayer before we come to this word in, in John. Lord, open my mouth to speak your words. Through your Holy Spirit, open our ears, our hearts to receive your words. As we consider our darkness, as we consider your light, your command to go and share that light. Father, bless us, we pray. Give us understanding so we can indeed bear fruit in every good work for your sake. Amen. Amen. Well, now, in the blink of an eye, really, uh, the snap of your fingers, life uh, can change, can't it? Imagine, if you will, uh, a quiet afternoon, comfy chair, someone relaxing, all is well. But the doorbell rings and the police are outside. There's been an accident. Somebody's world is just about to be turned upside down. In the past week, we've had, are we not, disturbing news reached us, deaths, even suicides due to the riots over a presidency. COVID-19 worldwide, worldwide it, it's creating huge uh, stresses for people, over 2 million people dead so far. The UK alone uh, in news recently has an uh, above normal death rate greater than anything since World War II. That is incredible. So, so many lives, so many families, so many friendships, they're just being turned upside down. And the question that we look at now is, is our life somehow upside down? Is our neighbor's life upside down? Well, I want us this morning to meet a particular lady. Her name is Mary Magdalene. And if we go to the start of the story that was read to us earlier, John chapter 20, verse 1, we find Mary with her life turned upside down. For roughly last two or three years, all had been relatively well. Jesus had healed her in the past, and in turn, she had helped fund and look after Jesus and his followers, notably and particularly for a woman in that era using her own financial means. So the bond between her and Jesus was very close, very close. In the previous chapter, John 19, we read that she was one of the women standing near the cross when Jesus was crucified, where he died. 
Now that's when our world really started to turn upside down. So in Mary's mind, Jesus wasn't supposed to be tried by a, a, a rigged court, crucified and buried. He was supposed to be the savior of the world, her world, her savior. And so distressed is she that in the first verse, this first verse we read, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, she went to where Jesus had been buried. The first century women of any repute whatsoever did not ordinarily go out in the dark outside the city walls. But Mary's life was in turmoil. She had to go. She was driven emotionally to go early while it was dark. But you see, it wasn't just the day that was in darkness. Her entire life was. And when she gets there, she sees this stone rolled away. It's still dark, which means somebody's been at the tomb and opened it overnight. Now, for Mary, things are becoming perhaps even worse now. So she hurries back to Peter and John and tells them what she's seen. Now, again, in, in that era, really, a woman's word was not generally taken uh, as being of much worth, of much importance. So her statement needed to be checked. And it had to be checked by men. Now, a word for the gentleman here, really, should any of you seriously take the approach, that approach with ladies today, all I'm going to say to you is good luck and I'll leave it with you. But that is how it was. And so off they go. Peter and John, they find that Mary was right. Jesus' body had gone. It was no longer in the tomb. But they don't know where. They can't tell Mary anything more than she already knew. See, Jesus' body had gone. So what do they do? They just go back home. They go back to the city. Now, for you ladies, the, the other side of the coin there is you may smile. But imagine, even then, 2,000 years ago, men folk were basically no help at all. And not a lot has changed. And probably a number of you will agree with that. But Mary needs to know. We pick up the story again in verse 20. Uh, John 20, verse 20. Mary has returned to the womb. She's crying. In fact, three times we read in this passage, uh, verses 11, 13, 15, she was crying. But more than that, more than that, she was weeping. That weeping is a strong word. Why was she weeping? It's because she was still in the darkness. Her grief was dark. It was intense. The person she'd looked after, she, the person she'd looked up to, he'd been crucified. And now even his body had gone. You know, um, I empathize with Mary. Uh, when my mother uh, was already dead, and my two brothers living quite some distance away. I had looked after the affairs of my father for about 12 years, 12 years prior to him passing away. And in the, even in those last weeks up to the funeral, there were still things to do, many things to do. And that planning carried on. 
But on the day, on the day, outside, after the service, you know, the fact sunk in. He's gone. The activity of past years was all over. There was nothing to do. And the grief hit me like a hammer. And my knees literally started to buckle. I don't know if you've ever felt that, but your body just collapses. And I looked around for support as I felt my body go. And by God's grace, my youngest son was right behind me. I grabbed hold of him hard. And if you talk to my wife, Jill, when I grab something hard, you feel it. But he stood there. But my chest, it just heaved. It just closed. And I feel I know from, from that short moment how Mary felt. I felt it. It was like an indescribable grief. She was weeping. And I think I know why. Now, do you know the person who answered the door to the police? Do you know the person whose relative died during COVID? Do you know the person who's lost their job and yet have a family to feed and, and a mortgage or a rent to pay? Are you that person? Have you or they felt or do you feel now Mary's heaving pain in her darkness? You know, the Apostle John, when he wrote this about Mary, he wrote what is called a gospel. It means good news. Well, so far, there's not much good news. But you see, the story hasn't finished. Things don't stay upside down. When John starts with darkness in any of his gospel stories, he finishes with light. And that is where we have to go now. Let's go to verse 13. The light is beginning to creep through and the angels are there and they ask her, why? Why are you crying? Now, don't you think that's a strange question? Would you ask a weeping person why? Would you? Surely in the darkest moments, it's blindingly obvious. It's what humans do, isn't it? It's a God-designed stress reliever. Surely angels know that. But you see, that isn't really the purpose of their question. In verses 3 to 10, we read that the linen Jesus was wrapped in and the head cloth, they were still there. This is no body snatch. This is no robbery. Christ has risen as he said he would. The angels knew that. When the angels ask Mary, why, why are you crying? They are really saying, Mary, there is no need to cry. The light is coming through. But there's the rub, you see. It isn't just Mary's life that is upside down. Her whole viewpoint is upside down. Her, her whole mind is gone upside down. She can't get past the, the emptiness of both the grave and her own despair. She wants to know where the body is. She's not responding to the light of the angels. To her, the angels are just like the men earlier, absolutely no help at all. But Mary turns away and meets someone else. And she's still crying. It's Jesus. But in verse 14, we read at that point, she didn't recognize him. 
That might seem a bit odd to us too, but this is a recurring theme in John's gospel. You see, in chapter one, John writes that the whole world didn't recognize Jesus. In chapter three, Nicodemus, uh, Nicodemus fails to fully grasp who he's talking to. In chapter four, the, the Samaritan woman is initially perplexed as to why a man is even talking to her. In chapter five, we've got a lame man by a pool and he doesn't initially know who healed him. He was asked and he didn't know. And so on and so on. And in chapter 20, this chapter, we find that Thomas first refused to recognize a risen Jesus without proof. In the last chapter of John, even the disciples who were fishing at the time didn't at first recognize Jesus on the beach. And John didn't include the story of uh, Cleopas and his companion on the Emmaus Road, but that's yet another example of disciples not initially recognizing Jesus. So let's not be hard on Mary here. Mary is far from alone in not initially recognizing Jesus. And I dare to suggest that we ourselves are not always as quick as we could be. Now, just as this lack of initial recognition is so persistent in John's gospel, so too is the way in which recognition finally comes. And this is the point. It occurs because Jesus reveals himself. Jesus is the instigator. He's the source, the light that bursts into our darkness. We, like Mary and the others, we may be slow in recognizing Jesus when we are in our, our darkest moments. But that doesn't mean Jesus isn't there, that Jesus isn't working to bring light to our, to our very souls. In each case, when Jesus does reveal himself, he deals with the needs of the individual. Let's go back. Nicodemus had been at the crucifixion of Jesus. He'd helped bury his body with Joseph. His eyes and his mind were being opened. The Samaritan woman, Thomas, the disciples fishing, Cleopas and his companion, each were dealt with at their point of need. And so now with Mary. Notice how in verse 15, Jesus broadens the question. Look at it. Not only why are you crying, but he already lets her know. He knows she is looking for a body. Even before she asks, Jesus says, who are you looking for? Note how well, how well our Jesus knows us. Mary was looking for her historical Jesus, the Jesus she had been with years past but not the risen Lord Jesus, not her saviour. Jesus doesn't even answer her question. He simply reveals himself. Verse 16, how does he do this? By calling her name. Mary. Mary. You know, it's likely this was in Aramaic. She does reply in the same language. She does use this term, Rabboni, or Rabboni, means my teacher. You see what John is doing here? He is emphasizing here a very personal, past relationship kind of recognition. This wasn't just any Lord or Sir, the polite address used in the previous verses that we read through. For Mary, this was the Jesus she knew and loved. You know, the way a name is, is called out 
it speaks volumes, doesn't it? When I was a child and my mother called me, Colin, I knew I was on safe ground, you know? But if she caught out with my full name, Colin Opie, well, things were likely to be, let's say, comparatively awkward at that point in the game. Now, can you hear the personal loving tone in the use of just that one word? Mary. It's the very essence as to what enables Mary to recognize Jesus' self-revelation. Mary's upside-down world is now well on the way to being righted. Darkness, her darkness, is becoming light as we, as we sang in that hymn. Where there is darkness, only light. Now, to see the, the full illumination waiting for Mary here, we have to come to one of the most difficult sentences, perhaps, uh, in New Testament scripture. And that's the first part of verse 17, where it says, do not hold on to me. Now, Jesus allowed Thomas to touch him. So why doesn't he allow Mary to, to touch him? And um, one commentator has, has put it this way. And that is that Mary does not have to cling on to Jesus as if he's going to disappear again because he's not. He is ascending. Read it. He is ascending. So the opposite is true. He will be with all people for eternity. Just like Jesus, uh, Mary with the angels when she did not need to cry. So to now with Jesus, she does not need to cling on. Jesus is ascending. Mary's personal need is that she must recognize him as the risen Messiah, not the historical Jesus. He will be with her forever, but not as before. It's different now. And for us now, today, this is absolutely the gospel story. Remember the grave clothes neatly left? God had fulfilled in Jesus what he had ordained since the beginning of time. Because of this, we too, who turn to Jesus, might join in that newness of life, that resurrection life. Jesus wasn't ascending just to God, his father. Look at the end of verse 17. For those of us who believe he was ascending to our God, to our father. You know, as John says in the very last verse of his gospel, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, just as Peter confessed it in the first reading that we had today. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now Mary's darkness and tears of distress and so on are now turning to, to light, uh, to tears of joy, if any tears at all. But there is one last point we must not miss in all of this. And that's still in verse 17. You see, Jesus' revelation was not just for Mary. Not only is Mary not to hold on to Jesus, her historical Jesus, she is to go and tell Jesus' brothers. Now, believe it or not, this is the very first time that John uses this word in his gospel. This is something bold. This is something new. 
it's missional. The other three gospel writers, they all equated brother, uh, Greek, Adelphos, with those who do the will of God. And this involves rejoicing, constant prayer, thanksgiving, loving mercy, walking humbly with God, to love our neighbour as ourselves. Jesus had turned Mary's upside down world right side up, just turned it right over. And here he is today, now, because he has gone to our Father. He is here with us all. He is with us through the Holy Spirit to turn our upside down world right side up, to turn our darkness into light. All right, sure, sure. I, I confess, we too, in our darkness, may take time to recognize Jesus in our particular situation. But when we do come to recognize that power, the power of Jesus in conquering death and darkness, when we share in that through faith and in the power of the Holy Spirit, we start to see things the right way up. I ask you, will we dare to bear fruit in every good work as we prayed at the start? Which of our brothers and sisters in Christ, which of our friends who have yet to recognize Jesus are hurting like Mary? Go tell them. Bring them to me, that eternal gardener, the one who waters, who feeds, and who loves us. Let them see and hear Jesus calling them by name, lighting their darkness through Christ's love that is in you. Are you the one in darkness? Maybe you are. I urge you to turn to your brothers, sisters, friends in Christ. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't think that it's, it's below you. Let the risen Lord Jesus come to you through them. Allow Jesus to call you by name. I'd like to finish with a, with a prayer. Uh, Derek is going to show it on the screen for us in, in just a second. And as I read it out, I, I invite you to listen to Jesus calling your name in each line. In hearing your name, picture Jesus turning your darkness to light, turning your upside down life the right way up. Thank you, uh, Derek. So, all that I am, Lord, I place in your hands. All that I do, Lord, I place in your hands. Everything I work for, I place in your hands. Everything I hope for, I place in your hands. Lord, the troubles that weary me, I place in your hands. The thoughts that disturb me, I place in your hands. Each, that's each person that I pray for, I place in your hands. Each one that I care for, I place in your hands. Everyone, all the troubles, all the thoughts, all the people, Thank you, Derek. Now, I'm going to, to say that really, if this is the, 
uh, I don't I don't know the people here uh, or a lot of you anyway. But if this is the first time you have prayed a prayer like that, a prayer of commitment and want a relationship like Mary with the risen living Lord Jesus or simply darkness simply surrounds your upside down life. You know, please make sure you speak to someone today in this fellowship. Share and see Jesus calling your name, turning your darkness to light and go and tell others and bring Jesus' light to their life. Determine to do this in your own mind as we sing our, our last song. Derek, thank you. <laughs>